the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 517, end of summer edition for Tuesday, September 2nd, 2014. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, cool stuff found, and general thoughts on fun stuff. And we share your questions, we answer your questions, we share your tips, we share your general thoughts, we share our own general thoughts. And the goal is to try to learn something, six things new, each time we get together. Six things, that's a pretty lofty goal, I know, but that's the goal for you and for us this episode is sponsored in part by Audible at audible.com slash MacGeekGab gets you a free book and 30 days free of Audible uh, for your listening audio listening for your your uh, your audio book listening pleasure. We'll talk to more about that during the show. Also, this episode is, smi- is, is sponsored by Smile at smilesoftware.com PDF pen scan plus excellent way to scan documents right with your iPhone and its camera. Pretty ingenious. We'll talk more about that during the show as well at smilesoftware.com here in Durham, New Hampshire, where it's summer and we will still be doing uh, episodes, at least two more episodes uh, this summer, perhaps three. It's not over yet. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John Braun. You said the end of summer episode. People might think we were going to no. take a couple week break. Oh, no, 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 no. Unofficially. So in, in most communities, or at least here. Yeah. Most consider it the end of summer. Cause one, um, uh, they're, they're taking the wee ones and throwing them in the, uh, educational, uh, prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But right. you know, a lot of kids go back to school mid August. Actually ours, I think started at the end of August. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but but for a lot of people, at least, you know, Labor Day is in this country. Uh, Labor Day marks the end of summer and summer vacation, even though technically we have a few more weeks. But yeah, today, I think this is the warmest I've seen it the entire what I call summer, Dave. And that I mean, I don't think I've seen it hit 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Really? Um, huh. Maybe once before one other day, but it's so. pouring today. I mean, it's 85 degrees outside, but it's pouring. Right now, maybe you get a tornado or something. Let's hope not. We had tornado warnings on Sunday, I'm told, here at home, but we weren't here. We were we were away at family camp, which is the reason that my legs uh, feel like lead. Um, It's it's interesting for a, you know, a 42 year old gentleman such as myself to uh, to run around for three days uh, in the manner that, say, a 12 year old boy would. And and there are certain things that one one's body tells you uh, when you do that, which is you should sprint more because holy cow that uses different muscles, but I'm now able to go up and down stairs again. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. 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 John, I did something cool last night uh, that I wanted to tell everyone about and I wanted to tell you about too. So I've had my iPhone five S since the day it came out uh, as, as one does. Right. And I, uh, started having trouble. You know, we, we tested all those, uh, lightning cables. We talked about it here on the show and they all work great. And then I started having trouble with some of them and I thought, Oh man, this isn't good. And then I started having trouble with all of them. 
and I realized, oh man, the the lightning connector on my phone is getting janky. And it was, it, I literally like I could plug in the cable and if I pushed the cable to one side, it wouldn't charge. And if I pushed it to the other side, it would charge. And I'm thinking, oh man, I got to go back. Thankfully it's still under warranty, but I got to go back and get, uh, so you suspected it was the uh, connector on the phone. That correct. Was, yeah. Cause it was happening with every rock and so it was rocking. It was, it was unsteady. So yeah. 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 And uh, something like, oh, I got to go get another phone and okay, fine. I'm trying to do it before I'm going to the Apple event next week. We should talk about that in a minute, but um, so I like, okay. And then, you know, it kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. I wonder, I wonder if it's not that the connector is loose, but that there is something in the connector. And uh, so I kind of looked in there and then I compared it. My, my iPhone is the, the champagne one, the gold one, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and my, my iPad, which also has a lightning connector is the space gray. So I looked in the lightning connector. I shined a flashlight and the lightning connector on my phone and it looked very kind of gray, but I could see it was like dusty in there. And then I looked in the, uh, lightning connector on my iPad, which I never keep in my pocket. And I could see like, you know, uh, black metal in the, the back of the connector. I'm like, well, okay. So I got a little plastic. I recommend plastic folks, though it seems people online and sometimes even in the Apple store are using metal to do this. But uh, I used a plastic toothpick and uh, and I dug in there and I pulled out more pocket lint than you could possibly imagine would be able to be crammed into one of these things. And uh, and since then, I mean, it's only been, you know, I just did this last night, but I am 95 percent certain that my problem is 100 percent solved. I've got to, you know, I want to give it a couple of days and just try it with all my different huh. connectors and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm now I can see white. I can see white in there when I look in, which cool. is great. Yeah. No, it's good. I, I, I'm sure. It, yeah, I'm almost certain that we 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 touched on this in a episode a few months ago. We but, did. Um, yeah. So it was. A mechanical failure in that because there was an obstruction in the uh, jack, yep. uh, it wasn't getting seated properly. I couldn't push the cable in far enough, evidently. Yeah. Because again, I'll, I'll say mechanic. So that's a, uh, so they, they didn't take the pocket lint factor mostly for guys, but maybe for gals too. Um, sure. Well, yeah, it's any pocket. Them, right. You know. Right. Yeah. So any pocket, but I, yeah, I would say, uh, but, but I would say for the most part, more, more guys probably. Yeah, their phone in their pocket. Well, in, in our house, that was certainly true. My uh, my wife's phone was fine. My daughter's phone was fine. My son's phone had less pocket lint than mine did, but still quite a bit. And I asked him, I said, have you been having trouble with it? He's like, well, every now and then I got to like, you know, jiggle it around. I'm like, yeah, OK, fair enough. And and I and once I did this, I read online in some forums and people have brought their phones into the Apple store as I was going to. And the Apple store folks uh, typically are, are are wise enough to know that it could just simply be lint and they go and dig it out. And I, somebody had said that uh, somebody in the Apple store, one of the geniuses dug it out with the, um, the, the SIM card uh, removal tool, which is metal. I, you know, I'm really nervous about shoving metal in there and shorting some of the lightning connectors and, and ruining my phone, uh, which is why I did it with plastic. But uh, I, I will say this after having done it on three phones, I did clean out my, my daughter's phone, even though there wasn't much in there. Uh, but after having done it on mine and my son's and of course hers, um, it, the trick is, you know, what you, what you would want to do is put the, what you're, what 
what I started doing was put the, the, the tip of this thing in and you know, the, the toothpick and then kind of scrape it along the back and then pull it back out along the side. That doesn't work. It's great to scrape it along the back, but you kind of have to pull it out through the middle. Otherwise you wind up packing it into the corners of this thing. Cause there's some, there's some little nubs, pressure nubs on the side that they keep the cable in there and it's hard to get the dust around them. So you got to kind of scrape the stuff to the middle and then just slowly extract it out. But, uh, but once I did that, yeah, it's, uh, everything works fine now. Pretty amazing. So, huh. so I share because I figure that's an important thing. No, that's a good low tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it almost sounds like maybe an opportunity for a finger wagon that, uh, I, yeah, I, I feel like that. Yeah. I did buy, don't you think, Go wouldn't ahead. you think that when they tested the phone, they would have tested it with you know, maybe not millions of people, but at least enough of an audience where, well, no, I guess the, the problem is this accumulated over months. I'm sure. I mean, over a year for, I mean, about okay. a year. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll buy that. You couldn't easily anticipate something like this, but you know, it was the first thing I thought of. I mean, at first I thought, Oh no, the connector's bad. And then I thought, wait a minute, maybe it's just dust. I mean, those lightning connectors are, are small. There's not a lot of room for things to kind of move around in there, AKA dust. Right. So it's easy, much easier for it to get trapped in here than say in the, you know, the old 30 pin connectors. So, um, I, yeah, I, it's, I don't, but I don't know what the magic answer is. Right. I mean, how, how do you, how do you solve that problem? I, I don't know. Uh, you got to get a case for your case. Well, yeah. So I, I do. Yeah, I keep my <laughs> I keep my phone in a case, but the the lightning connector is not covered because, of course, uh, I have to charge it. But what I did last night was I went online and on Amazon. I'll put a I'll find a link for it. I found a um, it was a a ten pack of of uh, essentially like they look to be rubber stoppers. One for the lightning connector and one for the um for the, the headphone jack. So there's, there's 20 pieces total, 10 of each uh, for a buck and a quarter shipped for free. So uh, I didn't think too long about ordering it. I just figured, well, for a buck and a quarter, I, I might as well test this out. And, uh, and so, so there we go. So it was a, you know, an interesting, uh, interesting little thing right before bed last night. That's what it turned out to be. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty happy because I don't I didn't want to have to return yeah, my phone. It still bothers me from a design point of view because I mean I agree. Know, we've had uh, I mean there have been so many connectors you and I have seen. I mean I'm thinking the first one pops in my head is like you know the 15 pin VGA connector. Right. I mean that was pretty hard to damage and it was done so yeah like uh, I wouldn't think you'd have a well not that you carried around in your pocket so eh, okay yeah rant off <laughs> no I, it, it's. But thank you for sharing because that's something that wouldn't occur to a lot of people. It's like, oh, okay, well, it's, it's not working right. So, it, and it could be, well, it is a hardware problem. <laughs> it is a hardware problem. It's just not one that requires replacement of the phone. Right. 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 right which is great. You know, so I think Kelly was going to write that up for us at, uh, at TMO today and she may well already have. Um, but uh, so, you know, it's how it goes. So, John, there's this uh, this 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 long rumored. Well, not that long, but for the last month or so, they've been rumoring that, that there's they've been there's been rumors. Anyway, there's an event on Tuesday, a week from today out in out in Cupertino at the Flint Center, which is at, well, which is where the Macworld All-Star Band played as part of the uh, Mac 30th celebration back in January. But it's the first time Apple has done an event in this place since 
the Mac, obviously they introduced the Mac there. They introduced the iMac there to my knowledge. And I think they did one other thing at the Flint center, but that's a huge venue. It holds 2,200 people or something. It's big. Okay. But is it, so this is just a, a general purpose hall that anybody can use. And I, guess people have other things have happened here is that apple doesn't own it does no it? no it's dan's university is uh it's it's the okay it's, so the, it's the theater on, cam- on, on campus. campus yep okay it's an on-campus theater and they rent it out and and it has space for lots of people okay. yeah yeah okay though it looks like their uh, rumor has it if you believe the pictures which who can believe pictures these days you that's know right what i mean right well, yeah we won't even cover that one because that's a no okay. well they're building so, a building <laughs> next to it for sure and yeah, people it, have shown capped some things which are suspected to be, well, it's additional space for what? I don't know. Well, so I've been there, right? I was just there in January. Um, when they do events like this, they always have a hands-on room. Well, not always, but they often have a hands-on room afterwards so that, you know, they show us the new whatever, you know, iPhone, iPad, who's he, what's it, you know, iDevice, and then they say, okay, and now that we're finished, come over next door here to whatever. And, you know, in this little building and, and you get to, you know, touch these things and take pictures and ask uh, engineers questions and, and things like that. So uh, it, it stands to reason that they would have to have a space for that. And that that's some of the speculation is that this is just yeah. a place for that. But here's the thing. There's plenty of room around that, that hall for that sort of thing to happen. Now, maybe not for 2,500 people or 2,200 people, if they're truly expecting that many, but uh, if they're doing something with car play, uh, that certainly would be a, uh, a reason for uh, to have a larger space, right? So they can have cars and they did, they had cars at WWDC sure. uh, in the hall. So it wouldn't, you know, if they, if they're going to, if there's something big coming with car play, then that makes sense. Oh. I don't yeah. know. You know, who knows? Well, I got a couple others. It, it could be. So they're promoting both home control and health care, right? Sure. Right. So it could be a, for instance, uh, doctor's office hospital or. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that could be kind of morbid um, or like a home of the future, which we've seen time and time again. Do you still what was that GE exhibited? Um, I don't think they have it anymore. At Disney that showed. You know, the home of the future through the decades. It was. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's bugging me because I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we'll, we'll find out on, uh, on, on Tuesday, I suppose. But, um, sure. It certainly will be interesting. And that's, uh, that's what we, that's what we like to, that's why we like to go there. All right. Uh, you know what, John, let's, let's go to, uh, let's start with Jimmy. Let's, let's see what we got here. So Jimmy writes, my iMovie library is 456 gigabytes in size, and I have it stored on a data drive inside my Mac, but not the SSD I boot from. I want to back it up onto my NAS device, but it being so large, it takes almost a day to copy the whole thing. If I work in iMovie, it changes the file and I have to back up the whole thing again. Do you know of a way to back up just the changes in the iMovie file and not the whole thing? I don't think Time Machine will work as it is not on my boot drive, my SSD. Okay, so uh, first of all, yeah, Time Machine actually should work. In fact, by default, it will back up any drives in your Mac, uh, you know, anything directly connected to your Mac, unless you go in to settings, Time Machine, uh, 
options and then exclude those items from backups. And you may have very well have a good reason for doing so, but, um, but uh, you could, instead of excluding the whole drive, you could just exclude folders on it. And, and then by, by nature of not excluding your iMovie library, it would then therefore back that up. So, so that's that time machine would definitely work. And it, the, the, um, the iMovie library is, it appears in the finder to be a single file. And certainly when you copy it in the finder, it copies it as a single file. And as you found, it has to copy the whole thing if you've made any changes, but it is not a single file. It is a package. And if you right click on it and show uh, and choose show package contents or control click on it, if you've only got a single button mouse, you'll see that it really a package is just a folder that the finder represents as a single entity. But all of your files and all of your media and everything is stored in there. And it can be handy to dig in there if you need just one little piece out or something. But when time machine backs things up, it's only going to back up the files inside the package that have changed. So it, it likely will go very, very quickly. And that's going to be true, not just about time machine, but about uh, pretty much any backup package, you know, uh, process data backup or carbon copy cloner or super duper. They're all going to see those individual files as individual files inside the package and Hopefully then, you know, back up uh, any changes or additions to it without having to back up the entire thing. So hopefully one of those things will get you there. Uh, Time Machine certainly will do it. But if you have a reason for excluding that that entire drive, then maybe it's simpler to use a different package if that's how you want to do it. So uh, but but yeah, it's a package file similar to your iPhoto library. It appears as one thing, but it really is just a folder that contains lots and lots of little things. So. Any thoughts on that, John? Oh, you bet. Good. I like it. So, so I'm hearing. So if I, if I, if I try to identify what the problem is here. So one potential problem here could be, and I haven't done the math on the back of a napkin. Maybe you could do that for me, but um, I'm wondering if the performance of whatever NAS connection is, my thought is that, that, well, we don't know how much data it's trying to back up. That would have been a useful um, metric to get here because you can see this when Time Machine is running. If you look in the, um, this is actually, yeah, something you, you want to do. You want to look in the, the pref pane and see how much data it's actually backing up. That's available in a few places. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the thing is, I, I'm questioning whether it actually is backing up all 456 gigabytes, depending on what you're using. Well, like, again, he's I mean, he's not backing it up with Time Machine, right? He's backing okay. it up with the finder. And so it is copying all 456 every time he drags that file over. That's the issue, right? He's not using Time Machine yet and probably should be. Yep. Yes. OK, so then actually that'll so Time Machine will demonstrate to you that this is, in fact, uh, what Dave has said is actually happening. Right. 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 <laughs> and it's doing the changes, not the, the whole darn thing. No, this actually fits in kind of nice with our backup discussion a little while ago in, in that, you know, sometimes you got to get a better strategy than backing up the whole thing. Yeah. Time. <laughs> no, that that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, you know what I want to do, John? I want to talk about our first sponsor here, which is Smile Software at, well, uh, sorry, it's Smile at smilesoftware.com. One of these days I will get that right. Uh, actually, I usually get it right, but today I did not. It's smilesoftware.com, but the name of the company is Smile. And uh, 
and we get to talk about PDF Pen Scan Plus. And PDF Pen Scan Plus is an app for your iPhone that uses your uh, um, your phone's camera to scan pages. So if you've got a, a page that you need to scan, it used to be that you'd have to take it and actually have a scanner and put it inside a scanner and scan the whole thing. Well, you know, our iPhones have these awesome cameras in them and they also have really fast CPUs. I mean, super fast. The, the, the CPU in my iPhone uh, is 2000 times as fast as the CPU in, in, uh, in the first computers we had, John, the Apple two C's and Apple two E's. <laughs> So from megahertz to gigahertz from megahertz to get yeah, literally. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because of that, all this technology lives in our pockets and, and this is what PDF pen scan plus does. So, you know, if you want to scan like receipts or, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. You can scan pages of any size because all you're doing is taking a picture of it. And then the phone, uh, well, it PDF pen scan plus goes and, straightens the image it can help you narrow down what parts of it you wanted to scan and then you can either just leave it as a scanned uh picture uh or you can use ocr again right inside the phone it an ocr being optical character recognition it totally goes through converts all the text on the page from graphical representations of text because that's all it is when you take a picture is a graphical representation to actual text and then bakes that into a PDF, right? Uh, so at that point, you've got a PDF that you can then manipulate. And one point version 1.4 uh, of PDF Pen Scan Plus is coming. Uh, it's you know through going through the, the the final stages of that process that gets it out through the App Store, which includes approval and and all of that stuff. But um, it uh, now in version one point four. You can have it auto export new scans directly to Dropbox or to PDF Pen's iCloud storage that allows you to share with PDF Pen on iOS or the Mac. So, and this can happen automatically in version 1.4. So you do the scan and then boom, it's right there, either in your Dropbox or your, your PDF Pen iCloud storage. So you can bounce it around, which is pretty good. So, uh, and PDF Pen uh, Scan Plus, uh, I... I th I'm, I'm not sure if this, this promo is still running, but the App Store Amazing Apps and Games, uh, it is still running. It runs through sub Thursday, September 4th. So you got two more days from the moment that, uh, that we're talking here. And uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, too, because uh, it's Amazing Apps and Games for 99 cents through the App Store's promotion, which is outstanding. So check it out. PDF Pen Scan Plus from the great folks at Smile. And then you can take that PDF Pen uh, Scan Plus document, open it in native PDF Pen, and you can edit it right in there. You can correct text uh, in PDF Pen. You can uh, move things around. You can manipulate all kinds of stuff. with. Uh, you can mark it up, all sorts of things. So check it out. PDF Pen Scan Plus and uh, and go use that that app store link. We'll put it in the show notes and you'll be able to get it for 99 cents, which is just killer. All right, John, what, uh, what do you got next for us here? You got, uh, you got Jeff to talk to us about here. Yeah. Um, well, there's also the thing I was, I was babbling about before the carousel of progress. Sorry. Oh yeah. Right. Nice. And it's still actually operating, so they shut it down at Disneyland okay. um, in the 70s, I think, but it's still Disney World. Yep. Yep. It's in Florida. So, right. Uh, right. Yeah. It was neat. 
Sweet. They're still adding decades. All right. So Jeffrey or Jeff says, hi, guys. Quick one. I think I have a current base model Mac mini that I bought a small SSD for. I was going to install it internally, but I'm wondering if it would just be simpler to hook it up via an external enclosure enclosure by a USB three or Thunderbolt and transfer the essential stuff over using the old spindle drive for extra room. Would I lose much speed? I don't need it for anything fancy. Honestly, it's mostly used for my son's Minecraft, <laughs> which I haven't played. I think you've played, Dave. I'll have to check I have, it out. Yeah, my son was into it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, another time sink. Um, mm-hmm. So here's the answer to that question. With the, current, with the current batch of machines, Dave, I would say this is probably not an issue. So, so just to give you an example of people like me that still own uh, relative... I, w- I wouldn't say relics, but um, older machines here. The thing is now with all of the, the current port technology, I would say in general, the answer is it doesn't make much of a difference. And then if you look at the Mac Mini, the latest Mac Mini has USB 3, which is 5 gigabits per second. Thunderbolt, which uh, I believe in this machine gets you up to 10, based on what I saw in Mac Tracker. And the internal SATA bus is 6 gigabits per second. So... When you look at all those numbers, Dave, they're, they're pretty close. So you could argue that USB 3 may be holding you back a little bit. Depending um, on the speed of the SSD, maybe, but probably not. Maybe a little bit. But seeing as how yeah. the, the speed of the USB 3 versus the internal bus is like, you know, only a gigabit per second. Right. Or Thunderbolt. If you do Thunderbolt, then in theory, that gets up to 10. That's so, right. You know, it depends. So, um I mean, uh, uh, the example I gave is that so, so for, for, you know, prior class of machine, that's not that old, like the one that I have, Dave. The thing is that the difference between using USB 2 and SATA was huge in that you're talking hundreds of, you know, megabits per second versus how, thousands. How much so, of a difference did that make for you in boot time? Because I've I'm done that. I'm glad you asked that question because that actually was part of my reply. And so when I booted the machine and what I consider boot is from the chime to when the disk activity settles down to. Okay. Uh, so that's my definition. It's not when I see the desktop and I think it's a more realistic. Sure. Judge of how well any drive performs because the problem is whenever you start up any OS, it's going to be busily loading all sorts of things before you can get any work done so i'm going to take us on a tangent here but but because i because i actually give you the numbers but give me the the numbers numbers first yeah all right the numbers were in the um usb enclosure it took one minute 52 seconds Mm -hmm. in inside of the machine on the sata it took one minute 14 seconds so okay 30 30 something seconds there all right yeah yeah no that 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 may and that makes sense because there's there's parts of the boot process that are just reading small little files and those aren't going to be sped up at all by you know a faster bus uh and yet uh there's parts of it where you're loading big chunks of data and and that is going to be sped up faster by the faster bus i the tangent i wanted to take us on is you know i i would with spindle drives i agree with your assessment that you have to wait until the drive activity stops before the machine feels usable with SSD drives. I do not find that to be the case. I'm able to, because, because I'm not waiting on the drive all the time. Right. So I'm, I'm able to start using my Mac even while things like Dropbox and all that other stuff that, that, you know, crunches on the drive is still loading. Cause I'm not stuck in those IO wait States anymore. So, um, mm, I'll so buy I, that. you know, I, but, but again, it, it's, it doesn't, 
for, for your, for the purposes of your testing, you were comparing apples to apples. It was SSD, you know, the same SSD. It was just different interface. So, so that I is was, a, that's a valid know, metric. But you bring yeah. up a good point though. I, I, I want to, so in any sort of test like the, whether you're measuring your bandwidth or your Wi-Fi or whatever is once you start changing, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I see yeah. what you're saying. Is once yeah. you start changing the way you measure things or the variables, then your, your tests become the, the usefulness may be questionable. Right. That's right. <laughs> now, I That's could right. have done a test, say, uh, uh, but actually then you bring up actually a very good point. I could create a test saying how long between the chime and the machine being usable. That yeah. Kind of hard to measure and it's subjective. It is totally Whereas, subjective. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Whereas what I mentioned is objective and that there will always be a point where the activity gets down below whatever, but no. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. But um, with the latest machines and that, that's another thing where obviously, well, if I had a choice <laughs> and at this point I really don't, but getting one of the later machines, well, I still do have a choice. I could get the Mac mini uh, after mine that doesn't have the faster ports, but yeah, it's great that they brought all the ports up to, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking gigabits now. I mean, it's awesome. So you, you don't have to, Fiddle, which I think is the concern here, because the Mac Mini, I think, is always going to be a machine that's going to be a pain in the neck to work on. <laughs> I, you know, most right? Macs are pain in the neck to work. I don't I don't I mean, I, some are easier than others for sure. But, you know, the uh, iMacs that I just had to rip apart here to put SSDs in. I, I don't know that they're any easier or harder. The, the MacBook Pros of my vintage and a little beyond. Well, some things they made really easy. It's like you pop off the yeah. bottom and it's like, oh, there's the hard drive. Right. Bam. Right. <laughs> there's yeah, the that, battery. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the iMacs are, you know, memory access is really easy. But yeah, I get into the hard drive. I mean, unless they change something because yeah. you know, I've helped our, helped our friend Duffy and it's always a, a wrestling match. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> maybe with, not with the Pro, right? Even the, well, the current Pro. Yeah, maybe. It's a little different. Yeah, it's all crazy. They, 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 you know, right. they... They pack these. They don't make them to be taken apart. They make them to be as small and thin as possible, which is, which is good. So, there you go, Jeff. All right, that's our opinion, and we're sticking to it. Okay, are we ready to move on to Randy? We got. We had a. Are we ready, John? Am I? Am I, I reading I, that right? Okay. Are uh, you ready? I, I think so. So uh, along in the in the SSD world, here Randy wrote. He says, uh, "Thanks for the information on SSDs that you have provided in the last several months. I plan to install an SSD in two iMacs: one a 24-inch early 2009 and one a 27-inch late 2009. After listening to all the details, I'm still not clear about a few of them. Would it be possible to provide a brief recap on your recommended procedure? Some questions I have are: uh, Should I replace the current hard drive with an SSD or replace the optical drive with an SSD? Should I install trim software? Should I install fan software? I understand that at least one of my Macs will not read the heat sensor if the original hard drive is not replaced with the same manufacturer. Can you give me a step-by-step -step procedure? And when preparing an SSD, do I format using disk utility installing Mavericks? All right, let's take these one at a time. So should you replace the current hard drive with an SSD or replace the optical drive? Uh, frankly, either works. Uh, I've done both uh, for various reasons, um, but e either is going to work. Depending on whether or not you want to keep the original drive for storage, you know, on my 2007 vintage iMacs that I did uh, the most recent round of SSD upgrades with, I replaced the original drive because I was replacing it. The SSDs, even at 250 gigs, were the same size or actually larger than the hard drives that they replaced. So I wasn't worried about storage space or anything like that. 
Uh, plus, the original drives were seven years old, and I didn't want to have those in there anymore. So I left the optical drive. I took the SSD, and and away I away I went. So uh, that's that. Let me uh, go. One question. So we're talking two thousand nine. Now I can't find this on Mac Tracker, which kind of gets me upset. But uh, is the optical drive interface on these the same as? Because uh, we're talking iMac here, yeah. Yeah. Is the is the optical drive interface the is it SATA? I guess is my question. It because may not this issue. It may not be right. Um, and and that would be a that would be a reason to to do uh, to put it on the hard drive bus because you're going to get a faster performance with the uh, with the SATA bus than if it's a uh, you know a slower bus or something along those lines. You can you can get that thing from MCE that uh, that lets you put it in there. Uh, in mm-hmm. the slower bus, which is what I had to do in that uh, 2007 MacBook Pro because, or 2008 MacBook Pro that I have because uh, this the SATA bus on the on the motherboard got all flaky. But um, so okay, there. so I want yeah. to bring that up. Yeah, I'm no, that's a good point. Tracker under that class of machine, and they they actually have no data under the optical drive port until like 2011. So so it's unclear to me whether any of these machines uh, have that issue where. Yeah, it's a PADA. I guess we'll call it a PADA bus right. versus a SATA bus. Right. 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 Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Parallel versus serial. So should you install trim software or fan software? So trim software. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've we've kind of run around and around on this. And uh, I believe, John, you and I are in agreement that uh, there is absolutely no good reason not to install trim software if or trim enabling software if the drive mechanism supports it uh, th- and that I um, will hold true through yeah. Mavericks. I, 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 I reserve judgment for Yosemite machines uh, mm. because I, there's been some wonkiness there, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. But, but uh, up through Mavericks that uh, yes, I think the, the answer is yes. How about you, John? Uh, I, I probably just for a mental exercise would violently disagree with you on this point. Sure. Uh, I think I finally came to my senses that it's in the grand scheme of things. Uh, although yeah, yeah, you're hacking the OS in a sense and all that. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. So when I got this SSD, I got trim enabler and uh, it, uh, I enabled it and I don't notice any problem. So right. I, I, I take back my here, here was my, um, my thought process on that briefly. And then we'll, we'll move on is that, if any of these drives that you get, you know, crucial drive, which we've used the, the OCZ drive, which you have, John, the Samsung drive, the SanDisk drives, all of these SSDs, when you put, they support trim. And when you put them in a windows machine, they support trim natively. The operating system supports it on these. So it's, and the same would be true with another world computing disc too, even though they say you don't necessarily need it. That may well be true. You don't need it, but uh, if you put it in a machine that is not a Mac, it's going to enable it on it. And so the drives are built to handle it uh, and probably be more efficient because of that. Probably uh, certainly not going to make things worse. Uh, so when you put it in a Mac, if you have the ability to simply tell the OS, don't worry that this drives identifier doesn't say the word Apple in it. And that's literally what trim enabler does is it just takes that filter out of the process and then it says, sure. Yeah, I'll enable trim. Great. Well, good to go. The worst that happens, which shouldn't be a problem in any event, is that the OS sends a trim command to the drive. And say you do have an SSD that doesn't support trim. It'll be like, huh? Well, but the OS would know that, right? The (laughs) OS asks the drive, do you support trim? Uh, Once you get past that step of 
it being an Apple drive, which, which is what trim enabler kind of gets you past. So if the drive doesn't support trim, the OS isn't going to send trim commands to it. It's going to ask the drive its capabilities. It's not going to make any assumptions. So it's pretty safe. Uh, as far as the, the fan stuff, uh, yes, absolutely. You probably, uh, you want to be aware of this. I needed it in one of my iMacs because I neglected to stick the fan sensor properly. I've, I've since gone and fixed that. But, uh, but there are two pieces of fan software. One is called SSD Fan Control. Uh, and that one is free, but uh, it is, it, or it's donation where I should say. It's not free. But I, it doesn't seem to have been updated for Yosemite yet. Um, there's another one called HDD Fan Control, which is uh, a, a paid piece of software. And that has been updated for Yosemite. So I'll let you decide which one you want to use. Uh, I happily paid for HDD Fan Control, largely because it was the first one I found. Uh, and it works great. So, uh, so that's, that's that. The quick procedure, John... Uh, here's what I do. I connect. I, I I like to get the SSD prepped before I put it in the machine. Uh, and the reason I like to do that is I want to know uh, if I have any problems. I want to know what they're related to. Is it the OS install on the SSD or is it the fact that the SSD is now inside the computer and I might have missed a connector or something? So what I do is I connect the SSD via an external USB case to my Mac or a Thunderbolt case or a Firewire, what, you know, somehow external. I clone my internal drive to the SSD with carbon copy cloner, including the recovery partition, because I know I'm going to want it when it's inside the computer. Then I boot from the SSD externally uh, and, and then I eject the internal drive so that I, I don't have that mounted too. Uh, and I run it that way for a couple of days, making sure that the OS that's on the SSD runs happily. Once I'm happy with that, then I use iFixit's instructions to swap out the drive and put it in uh, inside the Mac. And again, that sort of just honors the troubleshooting process of uh, isolating where the issues might be if, if in fact there are any. So, um, and then when I, when I prepare the SSD, do I format it with disk utility and then install Mavericks? Well, no, because I'm cloning to it. Uh, so I format it with disk utility and then just clone to it. But uh, if you want to start from scratch, then absolutely just, you know, uh, format with disk utility and install Mavericks and do whatever you like. Any thoughts on that, John, before we, before um, we leave? More as a mental exercise, but mm -hmm. I, I think I may have done that, done this, this way at one point, and I'm not sure why I did. So of course there are two ways to do it. One is to keep the working boot drive in the machine and then copy to the external drive. The other option would be, well, let me put this blank SSD into the machine and then put the working uh, drive that used to be in the machine in an enclosure and run that way and kind of go in reverse. And I'm just trying to think if oh. there's any good reason to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. Huh. <laughs> or bad reason that you wouldn't want to do it that way. I'm just thinking in reverse here because I mean, hmm. Yeah, I, I think as long as you separate the two by by some amount of time and, you know, a couple of days might be enough. It might be too much. It, uh, it might not be enough. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's the that's the trick. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just thinking the, the thing I mentioned is that, yeah, OK, so you get, say you get the drive and you're like, I want to immediately install this in my computer and make sure that it works and maybe put a minimal OS on there to make sure. Nah, mm -hmm. nah actually. No, and actually, the way you, that, that you said it is the way that I did my SSD is, yeah, keep the working drive. And I, what I think is paramount in any of these scenarios is never 
always have a copy of the working installation. Do not, you know, wipe out, like in this case, it's possible for you to wipe out one with the other. And it's like, right. you don't want to do that. Yeah, you want to be careful of that. <laughs> you That's always right. want to have, and if anything, I mean, you know, it, even disutility making, uh, you want to back up something that, and actually, I think I do this, especially with major OS installations, is that if I'm, I'll take, make a third copy. So I'll take the working installation that's in the machine that's working that I'm going to upgrade and I'll make a backup of that and put that like on a shelf somewhere. Absolutely. Then I'll start fidgeting with the two other drives. Yeah. So um, just in case you so blow I guess it. As, yeah. Well, I guess as you and I indicated, having one backup or having one working version of something may not be enough. You, may, you should really have more than one. And, yeah. And I agree. I agree. I, no argument here. I mean, you and I have done enough times where, you know, the, the, the stress of it is, is uh, uh, pretty much not there anymore. Yeah, but still, you know, I, anytime I'm doing a clone like that, I stop and I look and I, I really focused because, you know, there's always extra things going on. The phone might be ringing or this, that, thing. I just stop before I press go, say, okay, that's the, yes, that's the drive I want to copy from. That's the drive I want to copy to. I'm okay erasing that drive. I, I kind of just say it. So that I know that I'm not screwing things up because it's too easy. All right, John, our second sponsor for uh, today is a, a company that we have had on board in the past and I'm happy to have back. It's Audible. Uh, Audible.com slash MGG gets you a free audiobook and 30 days uh, of Audible's trial uh, or a 30 day trial membership at uh, at Audible. So. Uh, you know, Audible has been around for a long time. They were one of the very first sponsors of the show, and they had been around for a long time at that point, And that's nine and a half years ago. Uh, you know, they have uh, over 150,000 titles to choose from uh, all kinds of stuff, fiction, nonfiction, bestsellers, you know, all kinds of stuff. They have free apps for uh, for iOS and, of course, Android and Windows phones, too. And uh, and it interfaces with iTunes perfectly as well. You can download to these download these books and listen to them on your iOS device um, or your Kindle Fire or anything. You know they're an Amazon company now, so they they interface well there. But uh, but they they work extremely well with iOS. Their iOS apps are great, and it's it's not a streaming or rental service. This is important to remember. With Audible, you own your books, so if you go six months on a membership and then stop. Uh, any books that you got during that time are always yours. And, and I, I can attest to this, you know, I've, I've gone on and off with audible memberships and uh, you know, I, what, what typically happens to me is I, I wind up on for a year and I, I get three or four books behind and, uh, and so then I stop, but I catch up with my books and then I start up again. So uh, it, those, those books are, are yours forever. The uh, the My Library feature lets you access your books at any time, even from your phone. And they have Whisper Sync for voice, which actually lets you. It's a cool thing. They let you switch back and forth between your Kindle and your audiobook without ever losing your place. So if you're reading in bed at night, uh, you know you finish uh, halfway through a chapter, you get in your car the next morning to to drive to work or get on the subway or whatever, and uh, and you can just start playing the audiobook from that point where you, uh, where you stopped reading, which is really, really cool. Um, they have, uh, if you have a Kindle fire HD, they've got immersion reading, which actually lets you listen and read at the same time, which, uh, which can be cool. It can be cool. Uh, so 
check it out. You know, it, it's it's Mac Geek Gab. Uh, sorry, it's audible.com slash Mac Geek Gab. And you get a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. And you get to keep that audiobook whether you ever sign up uh, past that, whether you ever even, you know, pay past your 30 days. So you've got nothing to lose. It's super easy. Uh, we actually have, uh, I always like to recommend a book or two when, uh, when we do these. And we actually have a listener here, Timothy McKeon, who is a, uh, a narrator. And he has narrated a couple of books out there on Audible. Uh, some of them are pretty much built for, uh, for us. So he said, uh, he said, I thought you might get a kick out of an audio book I recently narrated called simply Horror Stories of a Computer Tech. And uh, it is seven true stories about the craziest, creepiest and funniest customers that uh, this particular computer tech has ever met as an in-home computer technician. And I, I listen to some of these and it's I mean, they're fantastic. Having been in that world, especially, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's pretty good. So I know we have a lot of you out there that are consultants. Highly recommend checking this book out. Um, Horror stories from a computer tech. And then uh, Timothy also narrated another one by the same author where the computer tech it's a fiction book, uh, but in the same vein uh, where the computer tech needs uh, to repair a computer for a dwarf and has to battle a troll to get an Elvish screwdriver to access the power supply on the computer. So that, uh, that one kind of reminded me of that story where I had to get the, uh, I think I told you John on the show where, where we, where the, I got to the guy's house and he laid out the, the grid on the floor with all the separate pieces because he wanted to get the gremlins out. So, uh, that one's called geek of legend, the Elvish screwdriver, uh, also out there on audible. So there's, and there's all kinds of stuff. I, uh, last summer I listened to the, I was book, which was, which was great. It was narrated very well. And, uh, and, and it's great stuff. So if you spend a lot of time in the car listening to stuff, which clearly uh, maybe, maybe not in the car, but if you spend a lot of time listening to spoken word, which here you are listening to, uh, to Mac geek So check it out. Audible.com slash Mac geek and you get a free book. So, uh, and then that helps us out too. So please check it out. Uh, audible.com slash Mac geek all right, John, what are we moving on to now? Mm. Something cool happened today. Something I'm allowed to finally talk about happened today. Sonos released update uh, software version 5.1 for, uh, for Sonos. Remember we, uh, we were talking about various home audio, wireless audio devices. And, uh, and one issue with the Sonos stuff was that... Uh, you had to plug at least one of your Sonos units into your Ethernet, uh, into your router, because it created its own wireless mesh. Well, you can still do that with Sonos, and uh, and it works fine. But for the last, uh, I don't know, three or four months, uh, many of us have been beta testing a new way of doing Sonos, and that is connecting it to your existing Wi-Fi network. And it works flawlessly, and now everybody can do it. So you go and update to version 5.1, your Sonos will offer to update you and all that stuff. Uh, you can get rid of your bridge if you if you have that. And more importantly, you don't have to dedicate a 2.4 gigahertz channel in your house to Sonos anymore. You can have it connect to your existing Wi-Fi network and uh, and it works great. Uh, really, really made a difference for us when we huh. enabled it over the summer. So that's almost a nod or uh, an odd coincidence that uh, 
Denon kind of figured that out. <laughs> yeah. So, Sonos, I mean, they posted about this back in April that they were, that they were heading down this path, but, uh, but they asked us, those of us in the beta test, not to talk about it because as typically in yeah, beta tests, sure. you're going to run into problems. And, and that's the point of a test is to get those ironed out. Mm. Honestly, I never ran into problems to be, to be honest. I, I was kind of an idiot for the first month and a half of the beta test. I didn't actually realize I could even do this. And then I saw something in one of the changed notes that sort of alluded to this as a feature. I'm like, wait a minute, is this possible? And sure enough, yeah, it's possible. So I was kind of an idiot about it, but, uh, but it works great. It was super easy. It took me like four minutes to enable in the house. Um, and then everything just kind of works. So it's cool. It's great. So I will put a link to, uh, to Sonos's blog post about that, but yeah. really just go get the new, thing but yeah you're right yeah that was one of one of the uh the chief sort of uh differentiators there between the denon stuff and the uh and the sono stuff was was that so mm -hmm. all right what else do we have john do we uh way too much stuff way too much stuff you pick all right let's um it, you know we uh it's time again john to send out premium gifts Almost What's premium, Dave. So what are you talking about? That's right. So years ago, we uh, opened up. We had a lot of you asking if, if there was a way for you to support us directly. And, and our typical answer was, yeah, you know, uh, uh, shop and, and use the sponsors that we talk about and, and let them know that, that you appreciate hearing about it on here and you appreciate their support of this show. And, um, and that and, and a lot of you do that. And that's awesome. Uh, and it's fantastic. Some of you wanted to be able to do even more. And so we opened up what we called Mac Geek Gab Premium. And it's gone through a couple of iterations, but it's been in this in this mode now uh, for a while. So premium, uh, which you can find out about at MacGeekGab.com, and you can actually sign up right there. And in fact, I just uh, just renewed our our uh, our uh, what do I call it, John? The uh, the um, uh, security certificate so that your your transactions yeah. are secure. Which is good. good. Thing. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, but I renewed that. But a, so you go to MacGeekGab.com and you can sign up and there's various uh, levels that you can support us. It's really your choice how you want to do this. Um, but if you are a current premium subscriber, you get a couple of perks. One of the biggest perks is that you get uh, access to us at the premium at MacGeekGab.com email address. And that uh, is something that we do prioritize. I, I, I'll be honest, as we always say. We try to answer every question, and I think this week we did it again. Uh, most weeks we do. I'd say probably 45 weeks of the year we were able to get everything. But uh, but the premium stuff gets uh, gets a little more attention. You you do a little bit extra to help us keep the lights on here, and uh, and we appreciate that. So so you get that. Uh, we also for uh, for anyone that contributes a uh, hundred bucks uh, for or for every hundred bucks you contribute, you qualify for a thank you gift. And we did uh, we did some cool water bottles last year. One thing that that we have promised about the thank you gifts and and we intend on holding true for this forever is that they will always be unique. They will not be available any other way. And uh, and they truly are a, a gesture uh, uh, of gratitude from us to you. So we are working on new. Uh, I believe it is going to be yet another uh, vessel for uh, for for drinking from. But this time it's going to be a mug. And, uh, and we're working out the, the last little bits, but as we work out the last little bits, you have the ability 
to uh, to catch up and be a part of it. So anyone that has hit their premium tier, if you've already hit it, you're in the you're in the queue and you'll get one and you'll get an email from us uh, probably about a week and a half just confirming where you are and all that stuff. But uh, but if you uh, if you have not hit your tier and you can check all that at MacGeekab.com, you can log into your account and see where you are and all that good stuff. Uh, if you haven't hit it yet, September 10th is going to be the cutoff date. So that's a week from tomorrow. Uh, that should give you enough time to sort all that out. And then, uh, and then we'll cap it off and process it all. It'll probably take another month or so by the time, you know, the whole fulfillment thing all comes together. Then, uh, then you'll get your mugs and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll send them out and then we'll, we'll post pictures of them and all that good stuff. Did I, did I miss anything, John? That's it. That's it. So September 10th is the date. And, uh, you know, between us here, it'll probably be September 11th by the time we pull it. So if you're, you know, if you're right on the cusp, don't worry about it. Just get it in and we'll make sure you're taken care of. But, uh, but we're not going to go much past that. So, so there you go. September 10th. And thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's, we love to do what we do here every week and, and it's humbling. So it, uh, no, it is, it's humbling. Your, your support. It's great. It keep, you keep us going. It's nine and a half years and I'm, I'm almost always uh, just as excited to do the show as I was to do the first yeah. show. Yeah, there's, there yeah, are some days too. where it's I, like, I eh. just say we but, love it more if you're yeah. a premium member, but we, we don't hate you if you're not Mm-mm. right. Okay. I'm done. No, I guess no, I'm polarizing we, this whole thing. It's not, yeah, it's not a polarizing thing. It's just, and we appreciate <laughs> it. It's, you know, and I appreciate that some of you, uh, you know, would like to support us and can't, that's okay too. You know, that that's totally fine. It, there's nothing wrong with with not good. being a premium listener. Yeah, well, we're getting the good vibes. I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right, John. Do you want to? Uh, boy, howdy. Where are we going to go with this? Let's do. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you, the same thing. Here you want to do Carlo? We could because yeah, Carlo had a uh, emergency request. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So we're right up to the challenge here. So as soon as I can get Carlo up on that's my right, and we're, here. we're jumping around here, but that's a that's how we work. All right. So okay. here's what Carlo said, but Carlo said good morning. That's nice. So um, my wife's MacBook Pro, circa 2009, and I think this is important, is shutting itself down. I hold down Control and R when rebooting. And it will only either begin verifying the spinning disk or begin to attempt a repair. But within about seven seconds, it shuts down. Any advice is appreciated. We have an appointment at the Apple Store tomorrow, but I want to know what you recommend we try to do to recover the data if the Apple people say that the hard drive is toast. I thought I had a good backup, but it is looking like I was wrong. And she has a very important uh, dissertation work on it. Any service recommendations thank you for all that you do you're welcome send for my iphone 6 whoop oh gosh sorry all right don't hunt down carlo <laughs> carlo has an iphone 6 he he let that slip that's funny right. hey, we'll toss this around dave this is kind of what do you do in a panic situation like this and uh so i offer the 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 following so one you may not want to panic because it may not be a problem with your uh hopefully not a problem computer but it could be but um so i said if this is happening when the machine isn't plugged into a power adapter it could be a bad battery we've seen this a lot when cells in the battery go bad you get unpredictable uh 
not so much startup, but unexpected shutting down behavior. So uh, that's one, uh, in which case, if you have another power adapter, and, and this may sound obvious, but a lot of times it's not. You get a bad power adapter, so get another power adapter if you can. I actually personally in my house, Dave, I have, for my MacBook Pro, I have not one, not two, but three uh, of the, uh, I believe it's the 85-watt um, MagSafe power yep. adapters. Yep. So I have one in my bedroom because typically I'll you know either wake up or fall asleep with the computer, and uh, sometimes I want to have it plugged in charge, uh, charging sure. so it'll be ready in the morning. Um, I have one in the office here, or actually I have one downstairs because I'll typically have it either with me in my you know, where I use the computer or my entertainment center. And then the third one is one that's kind of a floater or I'll bring with me for travel. So, uh, but yeah, if you got a bad power adapter, then your battery's not charging and then weird things happen. So the other is, well, I guess that's about it for, for that thing. So power adapter could be option number one. Option number two, um, if it is happening when it's plugged in, then short of a bad battery it could be well no if it's plugged in even if the battery's bad i don't think the machine should shut down so if it is shutting down then i would say your motherboard or other power related component which could be on the motherboard or maybe on a power board we'll we'll, we'll kind of gloss over the details there i think it's important um could be a bad adapter um now if he can if you can figure out a way to get the uh machine to stay on all right, so phase one here is how do, you, how do you solve this problem of mysterious shutting down? Phase two now is if you can solve that problem, which I think we offered all we could, then number two is how do you get the data off of that machine? So one is that class of machine, I believe, Dave, you could put in something called target disk mode. This basically makes your uh, MacBook Pro or MacBook machine a very expensive external hard drive in that you start it up, you can either do it uh, from the OS or when you start up, you hold down the magic keys, um, we have an article about it and then your machine starts up but it looks like a hard drive it's not a computer it looks like an external hard drive and if you have another mac you can then pull data off of the hard drive right right as Um, long as it stays powered correct yeah so again assuming that problem one was solved which is do i have bad battery do i have bad power adapter i don't know let's hope we (laughs) figure that one out but then number two now but i would you know i would wonder it with with problem number one if if you just hold down the option key, right, which brings up your list of boot devices. So it doesn't ever start booting from one of the drives. You know, that would be the first test is, is this problem power related or is there something with the way the OS is set up on that drive that immediately is shutting the Mac down and, and, and your, your attempt at putting it into uh, target disc mode would do the same thing, John, right. And because it's, it's not going to try and boot from the drive. So, that that's that would actually be a good litmus test to see if the problem is hardware or is it software because it's possible mm-hmm. there's something wrong with the OS and it's just cratering each time. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> good suggestion, right? Which is why we did this one because this is a, right. I like this one. It's like throwing yeah. something at us and it's like, <laughs> yeah. All right, so we got that. So uh, my commentary continues. Uh, this class of machine, Dave, I think was a little after mine. So I think it was start of the unibody. And and a lot of those typically gave pretty easy access to the hard drive. Now our class of machine did not the 2008. Well, you could argue maybe it did, you know, you screwed off the bottom case and you could probably get to the hard drive. This machine I think had slightly easier access, but 
Yeah. The solution is if you can't get it in target disk mode for whatever reason, then yes, you're going to need an external case. And now I have one that Dave is my absolute favorite. I'll even put it in our chat room here for all our friends that are hanging out in the chat room here. But Dave, it's an external USB two, and I think they offer one that's a little more expensive, but it's in the order of tens of dollars. And it's not fancy. It's not flashy. It does exactly what it's meant to do. It's an external USB case. And for me, you know, 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I got a whole bunch of these because I, I need to do this a lot. I have all these two and a half inch drives floating around and, and you don't want to do it naked. Right. You want to put it in a case, you know, which provides power and the SATA interface. So, uh, and USB interface. So that's another thing. If you can pull that drive out of there, which I think is fairly easy with that machine, get an external enclosure and then find another machine to suck the data off. Well, and you can, you know, one of my favorite ways to do it, and I know you, you want to keep it in a case uh, if you're doing it long term, but something like the universal drive adapter from newer tech or the Voyager from OWC are great ways of getting data off of drives without having to mount them inside of cases because they're they're just adapters and they've got a USB three version of the uh, of the um, the universal drive adapter and then the the OWC Voyager. I believe they've got several different versions of that right now with the Q and, uh, uh, but, but uh, which will do USB three or firewire, uh, 800 as well. So, and there, you know, the, the, it's 40 bucks for the universal drive adapter. And I think, oh, uh, right. I think it's That's 35 the enclosure. I think it's 35 bucks for the, uh, for the Voyager. So yeah, these are, these are, these are fun little things. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. All right. So, Wow. So a lot of tools for retrieving your drive, if you can retrieve it and put it in something, you can pull the data off. Yeah. Um, now, all right. So he said, uh, uh, however he determined it, he doesn't have a good backup. For data recovery, I mean, Dave, I see them at shows. I, I trust these guys. I, I've heard of them. Uh, drive Savers is, is one name that I think is probably the most... Uh, most popular, at least in the Mac circles, because they're always at the shows and they always talk to people. And uh, and I know people that use them yeah. and uh, no one has complaints other than that it's not free. Right. And but you, may, you, know, you might not need specialized. You might not need this, right? Because well, we're hoping not. But he's right. asking if, if you need yeah. a drive a data recovery service, who would you use? And, and I would have two options. One would be someone like Drive Savers. And I don't know if you have. No, they, they were choice, the ones, Dave. They're the ones I'd go to. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, they may come back with the uh, depending on it. I, I think, you know, they'll they'll take it. They'll look at it. They, they I think they'll give you an estimate for free um, or maybe they'll charge you a little bit. But it could cost you several hundred bucks because, you know, oh, what yeah. they do is, is magic. I mean, well, no, it requires, <laughs> you know, you need a clean room and all that sort of thing here. So, you, you know, you're going to pay for it. Um, though, if you can read the drive at all, you may want to try something like um and this is the one that, that you know I've used in the past, Dave, and, and they even have a free demo, but Data Rescue 3. This is a, so if the drive is kind of shot, but not totally shot, then maybe the data is just slightly damaged, and in which case Data Rescue 3 is one utility that may be able to pull back something. It sounds to me that, that what he wants to do is he has one copy of this dissertation, and it's real important, and he, he needs to get it back. So, right. so uh, whether it's a recovery service or recovery software, though, that, that's what I got. Works for me. That's good stuff, man. Very, very, very nice. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are we here on time? Okay. So let's jump 
and do uh, well. You know, while we're on the while we're on the the potential battery topic, which we might be on, we might not. Uh, Josh writes. He says, "Thanks for keeping up the show. I've been experiencing a problem a problem with my 2008 unibody MacBook two gigahertz processor machine. It seems to inconsistently die unexpectedly while on battery." I run fruit juice and iStat menus, those and the built-in battery status read it is in good health. The system puts up a yellow warning triangle a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, but an SMC reset cleared that up twice. Still, it will read as charged to 100% and then most of the time, but not usually, not at all, not all the time, usually die out within the hour. If I leave it plugged in while working so it stays at full charge, uh, it works fine. Then I power up the next day unplugged. It will often shut down within five minutes. So a similar uh, issue here. He says, uh, I'm wondering if there is something else I can check before assuming I need a new battery. Well, I, I think in either case you need a new battery, but, uh, but just to dig in a little, a little bit to w- what you mentioned here, John is that sometimes, it, you know, the question is that the battery run th- all the way down through 0% and then die, or does it get to say, you know, 40% or 60%, and then just die without any warnings of, of, you know, we're getting close to the end, that, that sort of thing. Again, either way, you probably need a new battery, but they both indicate different issues. If it's going all the way down to zero, it just means that your battery's capacity has dwindled or that your Mac is running at full tilt and chewing up all your battery's power. If, uh, if the battery status reads that it's in good health, then, uh, and it is getting all the way down to 0%, then I would look at, you know, what your Mac is doing is the CPU running full tilt all the time. Is there something happening that is chewing up a lot of power? Because if it's reading that it's in good health, that means that the capacity is reporting as high or at least 80% or above the battery's factory capacity. And uh, if it's getting down to 0%, that means that it's making it all the way through the, uh, all the cells to your point, John, uh, if it's getting you know down to only sixty percent or forty percent, and then just dying without any warning, that's indicative of us having bad cells in the battery, uh, and that would probably mean a replacement. So, so that's what I would look at: is see uh, if the battery's reporting good health, see what's happening, see if your CPU is running all the time. You might have an app in there that's that's burning it down, and uh, and and that. That could, you know, activity monitor will tell you that iStat menus, which you have, will tell you what's going on with your CPU. So I'm guessing that's not it because you probably would have noticed that running iStat menus, but it's it's worth checking. Um, any thoughts on that, John? Mr. No. Braun? No, I'm here. Okay. All right. I'm with you. All right. Good. I think you got it. Okay. Uh, you want to do one more here, John? You want to pick one here? I know we've got we've got several, but uh, we're pro- we're not going to make it through all of them. But we can probably do one. We can definitely do one more. You're going to. All right, good. Yeah, take us there. <clears throat> all right, let me take you to Jurgen once. I am with Jurgen. A little tip here: when I was writing a reply to Jurgen, how can you get that umlaut over the U? Because that's uh, I'm going to guess a German name here. Well, at least at the latest OS, I think, Dave. If you hold down a key and you wait a moment you will then see above it all the other characters that are associated with this so for example a u could also be a u with two dots over it which is a german uh, or maybe european thing so um you're talking nice about I'm, I'm like 
Are you talking about on iOS this works, or does this also work on OS X? Uh, I was able to accomplish this on OS X, Dave. But if you just... Oh, look at that. So it doesn't do the key... I had no idea of this, John. That's the coolest thing. So you just hold down think, like the U, yeah. and then it shows and then you me... You get the U with thumb lots, and then it shows one, two, three, four, five, which I guess if you hit the digit, either you click on it. Yeah, I just hit the digit. So I hit case, two. Oh. Yeah. And then it did the U with two dots over it. That's freaking awesome. Because that works on iOS. I, 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 you know, it used to be that if you held down a key, it would just repeat forever. <sighs> and I don't know what article I saw with the uh, show, or maybe I just instinctually said, well, why can't I do this on? Yeah, OS right. 10? I'm sure somebody, even we, we may have even had a yeah. that indicated this, but I thought I'd offer that while I'm trying to vamp here and I'm still trying to vamp here. So Jurgen, oh gosh, how do I search for, does it match on you? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's good. So um, Jurgen has a question, or he had a number of questions here, but I think the questions were pretty much revolving around the concept of port forwarding. So here is what Jurgen would like to do and what many of us would like to do. So you have your home network and you have your airport or whatever router slash modem, whatever it is, connecting your internet connection to your, your, your home thing is a lot of people may want to access various services that are on their home network from outside of their home network and how do you do this sort of thing you may be asking yourself and one thing in which Jurgen asked about and he made some assumptions that were correct um, but but one is called port forwarding so we're not going to go into specifics because that'll take forever and that'll be an episode in and to itself but all right, say we have a service using TCP IP, which is the whole internet protocol. Say you have something on your local network that you want to share with the outside. Well, that's going to have an IP address and a port. All right, to, to simplify it so okay. we can get through this. Yeah. Um, and then you have your router. Now, the thing is that your home network is going to be its own kind of private little world here. It's going to use these IP addresses that are uh, specific to home networks and you can't access from outside. Unless you do something called port mapping. And what this is, is telling your router, okay, if there's a request from the outside world, let me take it and forward it to this computer on the inside network. And I think that's the best way I can, it, it is. I can I, explain that. I'll add and I'll say hi to everybody in the chat room at macgeekgab.com slash stream that's joined us today. But, uh, but Brian Monroe in the chat room reminds us of an excellent uh, website called portforward.com. And the great part about this website is you go, you tell it, uh, you kind of search by what service you want to forward and what router you have. And it will walk you through how to do that on your particular router, which makes life way easy. And like you said, John, it, it you know, it, to go through the machinations for every router is, uh, is too much for us to do here. But, uh, but they've got kind of a guided, a guided tour. So we'll put a link to portforward.com in the, in the show notes too. Okay. So one way to port forward is you may have uh, uh, the software in question may be able to use something called either NAT PMP or UPNP to do this on the computer. The, the computer will tell the router, okay, set this up to allow this access from the outside to the inside. And that's great. So one question you're going to have is, is it possible for somebody from the outside to tell my router to do this? And the answer is, I certainly hope not because that's bad, though it's technically possible. And actually there's a link here to a, uh, uh, Gibson Research, which they do all sorts of you know wonderful security podcasts and things like that. So, um, 
But there's a tool that will test for this. If your router allows it, then your router is a piece of junk and you should throw it away. <laughs> and they have a test to make sure that it doesn't. Otherwise, you may have to do, and this is where I, I think he, he took my advice here. So the question was, say I got lots of computers on my local network and I want to access lots of services from the outside. Well, the problem is this mapping gets complex because especially when you start talking multiple computers within your local network, then you're talking about mapping things in a strange way and that you can't, normally you can only say, okay, from this IP address of my, that my internet company gives me to this IP address on my internal network on this port. The problem is if you want to do multiple computers, you can't select the same port. So that's where it gets crazy. And then, you know, at that point, because what he wanted to do started to get complex here, I'm like, you know what? This is, although technically possible, not the right way to do this. What you want to do is set up a VPN. I would agree with right. that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Port forwarding is certainly a way to allow people from the outside to get to the inside. And actually, another question he had, which is true, is if you create a port forwarder from the outside to the inside, could people potentially access that? and take advantage of it? And the answer is absolutely yes. And that's why you want to have good passwords and certificates and other security there. And that whenever you open a port, whether it be for an outside service, which uh, I would shy away from, or a VPN, which you have to <laughs> expose the port. So then I think he took my advice and, and set up a VPN. And that led to the second question. So, so the, uh, but the, the right answer, I think, is once you're starting to talk about accessing multiple computers within your home network, or multiple services, you don't want to do port forwarding. Port forwarding is for very simple, basic needs. Past that, you want to use a VPN because that makes you appear to be a computer on your local network and it makes things real easy, uh, much easier it, than port forwarding. It's also, I'm going to say that's more secure too. I, I mean, if, it, well, if you some, have one access point, you, you have, have one point of attack. Right, if but if so, if somebody gets in via if, if somebody gets in via say you you forward port uh you, you know uh, five thousand one to your disk station right that that person can get to your disk station right but if if somebody if if somebody is he gets the uh, credentials to log in right but if they get the credentials to log in to your uh, VPN now they uh, can act as a citizen on your local network so. I'm not sure one is I kind of feel like the VPN is more secure because there's there's more attention paid to keeping the security of that up to date. Whereas sometimes you might have a service on, you know, one of your devices or on your Mac that's that you, you're not keeping as secure because you're used to accessing it locally. Whereas the VPN, you know, this is an outside thing and, and uh, it's always going to, the traffic's right. going to be encrypted and all of that stuff. So I feel like the VPN is more secure, but I could be extremely wrong. Um, I don't know. It's hard it to could say, be, but we all could. Be. Uh, well, no, I, I want to offer something here. So I use open VPN. So and yeah. I do it through the Synology. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't believe OS 10 offers an open VPN solution natively. I think you can add it. I think they offer just, is it PPTP? And uh, the, the, they offer different flavors of VPN. Yeah, the nice LT, that if you do, L2TP and IPsec and all that stuff. Yeah, right. Um, but the Synology offers open VPN. And the interesting thing about open VPN, or at least the implementation on both my uh, MacBook and my iOS devices, is that when you download your profile 
Um, so what happens is that the, the Synology manages the whole VPN thing. And if you want to add somebody to the group, they not only make you download a configuration file, but they make you download a certificate. And I'm almost certain that the certificate, when you download as part of your open VPN profile, is one of the keys, if you will, where if you don't have that, it's not going to let you in. Right. So it's an additional level of authentication and that unless you know the person who administers the Synology and can hand these out, you're not going to get into the VPN. Yeah, that's so, good. so I'm with you. You bring up a good point, and I think this is uh, uh, guards against that because yeah. you've got to have this .crt file in addition to all this other stuff. Right. right. It's just There's just more security surrounding the, the VPN than there might be, say, for accessing file sharing on your Mac. Right. Because that's just a single password and you might have it set to something very or you might even have guest access open, you know, that that kind of thing. So that's why that's why I feel VPN is is better. It can be. But of course, if you have no password on your VPN, then it's not better. So, you know, of course not. Right. <laughs> right. Or, or he touched on, too, he said, I want to access screen sharing. And mo- for most people, that's on port 5900. And his answer was, if I try to share that service from my Mac to the outside world with a port forwarding, uh, am I at risk? And the answer is, well, if you don't tell screen sharing to ask for a password, then right. yeah, right. Because you can, you can set it up. You can say, okay, I want to do screen sharing and all users. <laughs> you can do that. And the thing is, if anybody stumbles across that port and comes into your network, they'll, they'll, they'll be right at your uh, login screen, which hopefully you've protected with a username and password, but right. you can turn that off too. Right. <laughs> so someone in theory could come right in and see your computer and it's, yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Cool. All right. And then, and then Jurgen had one follow-up question, John, which is worth uh, putting in here as we wrap this up. Right. Oh, from Jurgen also. Right. The, uh, the, the iOS, uh, right. So, right. so, all right. So, so then, then I got another note from Jurgen and he's like, well, you know, I'm trying to access my network and you, you know, you said when I'm on the VPN, um, you know, I'd be part of the local network. I'm like, Oh yeah. And, and so he said, well, my, my iOS, uh, VNC client, which is really what the screen sharing is, I think basically at a low level in, uh, in OS 10. Well, it's, something, it's uh, both. There, there's multiple things, but, but VNC is, is one of the options and it's the only way to do it with iOS in terms of the native stuff in OS 10. Cause there's no native iOS screen sharing uh, uh, app to, to connect to the Mac, right. which is stupid. And, but yeah, and so anyway. I think he was using something called, um, you know, he, whatever he was running said, uh, I can't find that host on the network, which basically means, you know, whatever you told me to get in touch with, I can't see it. And he's like, I thought, you said that, you know, VPN means you're part of the network. And I'm like, well, yeah. So I suggest that his IP address range may be uh, wonky because you can choose when you set up a VPN, you can choose the IP address that you appear as um, to be any, anything really. And if it's not a value that makes sense for your local network, then yeah, you'll get this message saying, you know, I can't find <laughs> the, the computer you're asking me to talk to. Here was the problem he was running into, which I didn't realize, but I'm going to share with you because we want you to learn at least one thing. Six. (laughs) And this is one of them. Um, A lot of VNC clients uh, on the Mac or any platform uh, will let you use not only an IP address, but also what we'll call a bonjour or local network address or zero conf address. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's what happened is that he, so he said, and actually uh, once I read his reply, he's like, well, I accessed it fine on my local network, but once I tried it from outside on the VPN, it didn't work. Why not? And I, you know, 
shared my wisdom with IP addresses with him. And he said, you indirectly answer my question because I typed in the IP address and then I was able to access it. The oh, there you go. Here yeah. is that VPNs, many VPNs have a problem with allowing zero confer broadcast addresses to transverse them. Yeah, I've never been able to make that work, but I, I know the you, high geek factor answer in yeah. the, the broadcast mechanism where zero conf works does not normally. Now, I found an article about one implementation where you can make it do that, but typically the answer is bonjour probably won't work right or zero conf won't work right on a VPN. Right. Unless you know what you're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Kevin Collins in the chat room says a bridged VPN is the solution. And uh, and I think we'll leave that as an exercise for the listener. The listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it gets it gets complex. Uh, and there's, there's but I had the same thing. I, I use VNC. I think he said he uses Mocha VNC. I use a VNC Lite, and I had the same thing, Dave. When I started my client up, I haven't used it in a while. It had. Uh, JB Mac Mini and JB MacBook Pro as the yeah. items in the configuration, and obviously they didn't work when I started up the VPN from using LTE because they're like, yeah, just yeah. didn't work. Now it's so, yeah, uh, it's the way it works. Team Viewer is uh, a great way to get around all of that. You don't need to port forward. Uh, the the software is free for you know home uh, personal use. And it works great. I I started using it with my mom recently, and uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It, you know, lets me, me log parents. in. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's perfect. So for that. much easier than trying to get someone that's probably a bit outside of your generation trying to explain what they're seeing. Right. Right. Well, yeah, playing the operator game never works. Yeah, it never works. Hey, John, <laughs> I you know you say that it's it's good for people outside of your generation, and maybe that's true. But I've had it with you, right? I mean, it's it's almost worse with someone that knows what they're doing, but, you know, needs help with a specific thing because they'll start you clicking. You understand my dialect. <laughs> well, and they'll start clicking buttons. You, you know, it's, 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 I've, I've found tech support for people that know more worse. Uh, it's harder with someone who knows more than it is with someone who knows less because the person who knows less, it might be very pedantic. They might read you everything they see, but they're not going to click anything. Whereas, you know, you're... you're oh, well, because I know better. Than but you, that's it. I, I need to get things done. I need to get man. it done, right? So, oh, yeah, I already clicked that. Well, why? Well, because I, I just wanted to get past it. Okay, well, let's start over again. You know, let's... Because <laughs> I needed to hear what that message said. Oh, I didn't think you did. Well, why? You know, so anyway, that's, it's... Uh, Team Viewer makes it easy because you can see. And that's the uh, that's the trick. I already told you about premium at MacGeekGab.com. For those of you that are not premium members you can become one with the instructions we gave you earlier at macgeekgab.com but it, uh, if you remain not a premium member feedback at macgeekgab.com is the address that you can send any question you want to tips questions cool stuff found all of that can go straight really? to really? really yeah did you say feedback at macgeekgab.com i said feedback at macgeekgab.com you can also call us at 206-666-geek which john is some string of random digits or four, three, three, five. It's true. It's choose the latter. That's right. And this week, John, you started joining us on our Google Plus page, which was awesome. <sighs> MattGeekUp.com slash Google Plus yeah. will get you there. Thanks to Allison Sheridan for the uh, for the idea of doing that, because uh, trying to tell you how to get there otherwise is a disaster. So MattGeekUp.com slash Google Plus <laughs> will redirect you there. It's much, much simpler and do you like the google plus thing yet john have you have you come to grips with it 
No, no, I detest it. But yeah, you, you told me I got to use it. So. Yeah, well, it's 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 where everybody is. It's 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 the best really? community we've ever had. Yeah, it beats Have the you? forums. It beats the the Facebook. It beats it, Twitter. It, uh, it, everything. Maybe for our purposes, but in general, it. I mean, it's kind of like the the forgotten stepchild of social networks. Don't you think? No, I don't think so. I mean, okay. it, it, well, it, I, uh, well that, 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 those are your feelings. There are I there are a lot of people that, that use Google Plus. I yeah, would say you know all three of them. <laughs> I would say more people use Google Plus than Twitter these days. Not yep, Facebook necessarily, but Facebook's a disaster for a community, right? Google Plus is a much better. Well, they change it every week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's put the most popular. Let's put chronological. Let's right. do it by the phase of the moon. Uh, guys, you know, I need consistency in what criteria you use to show me stuff on, on the, you know. And that's what Google Plus gives us. You. you just go to the Google Plus, com slash Google Plus, and you get to see everything. There's no filters. I'll, I'll good to go. With that. Yep. 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 So. Uh, so thank you to Google Plus for, for being that resource for us. I also want to thank Michael Johnston, host of the iOS show and also the publisher of getappa.com. He converts this show to AAC and adds all those chapters and images and links for us and for you every week. So thank you, Michael. Awesome stuff. Uh, also, Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And, uh, and they make it so that it gets to you fast, which is an awesome, awesome thing. Uh, our sponsors, of course, in the podcast marketplace are, as we mentioned, Smile at Smilesoftware.com, Audible at Audible.com slash MGG, Barebones Software at Barebones.com, Gazelle. Remember, you've got to sell back your, uh, your iPhone, Gazelle.com, Squarespace.com slash MGG, and Linda. Dot com slash mgg also drobo bunch of great sponsors out there check them all out please and uh john while you're checking out the sponsors do great things do tell them that you love them do tell them thank you but don't get caught made up 